Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. Uh, again, this is Brad Constantine, and we're going to be discussing section four. So let me get into the heading first. This is a revelation given through Joseph Smith the prophet to his father, Joseph Smith Sr., at Harmony, Pennsylvania, February 1829. And just to give a little historical context, during the month of February 1829, Joseph Smith Sr. and his wife Lucy traveled to Harmony, Pennsylvania to visit with their son Joseph and his wife Emma. They had not seen Joseph since he left in the sorrowful circumstances following the loss of the 116 pages of the Book of Mormon manuscript. After receiving the news that the Lord had restored the ancient record and the gift of translation to his son, Joseph Smith Sr. asked his son to inquire in his behalf relative to his duty. This revelation is the result of that inquiry. This revelation is very short, only seven verses, but it contains sufficient counsel and instruction for a lifetime study. No one has yet mastered it. It is. It was not intended as a personal revelation to Joseph Smith, but to be of benefit to all who desire to embark in the service of God. It is a revelation to each member of the church, especially to all who hold the priesthood. Perhaps there is no other revelation in all our scriptures that embodies greater instruction pertaining to the manner of qualification of members of the church for the service of God in such condensed form than this revelation. It is as broad, as high, and as deep as eternity. No elder of the church is qualified to teach in the church or carry the message of salvation to the world until he has absorbed, in part at least, this heaven-sent instruction. And that was by Joseph Fielding Smith. This section is one of the first to be memorized by missionaries today. Someone said that a mission is an MTC for life. Ooh. Okay, verse 1. Now behold, the marvelous work, the marvelous work is still continuing in the church today as it unfolds throughout the world. I think President Nelson's recently said that, that the restoration has not been completed. It is still continuing to be unfolded. Marvelous work is about to come forth among the children of men. The marvelous work to which reference is made is the Book of Mormon and the restored church. The language is that of Isaiah, the great prophet of the restoration, speaking for the Lord, he he wrote, Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall shall be hid. Unknown, untaught, with no reputation, he should have been forgotten in the small hamlet, almost nameless, in the backwoods of a great state. But he dared to say that the work that he was doing, under God's instruction, was to become a marvel and a wonder in the world. We know, my brethren and sisters, that whether it be friend or enemy who speaks of us, if he is a sober-thinking, honest man, he will declare that whatever in his opinion the foundations of this work may be. We know the foundations. It is a marvelous work and a wonder, none like it in the long history history of the world. The truths set loose by the prophet Joseph Smith have touched every man of faith throughout the whole civilized world and measurably changed their beliefs for good. And that was by John Whitso. Verse 2, Therefore, O ye that embark in the service of God, see that ye serve him with all your heart, might, mind, and strength. Joseph Smith taught that working by faith is working by the power of mental exertion rather than physical force. I am persuaded that the mental exertion of which we, which he spoke is not merely a cognitive exercise, but rather a strenuous effort, a spiritual search to know the will of God, and then the determination to accept and abide by that will. 
that he may stand blameless before God at the last day. This text is not intended to suggest that we can assume the right to act in the name of the Lord without having been called by prophecy and the laying on of hands. Rather, it explains that the desire to serve, the willingness to serve as needed, will give birth to the opportunity to serve. And that was by Millet McConkie. I'm sorry, that was by Joseph Fielding McConkie. Verse 3, Therefore, if ye have desires to serve God, ye are called to the work. My understanding is that the most important mission that I have in this life is, first, to keep the commandments of God as they have been taught to me, and next, to teach them to my father's children who do not understand them. It is not necessary for you to be called to go into the mission field in order to proclaim the truth. Begin on the man who lives next door by inspiring confidence in him, by inspiring love in him for you because of your righteousness and your missionary work has already begun. That was by uh, George Albert Smith. As we desire... As we have desires to serve in the church, we are called to serve. We should consider every calling we have as important for the building of the kingdom. Verse 4, For behold, the field is white, all ready to harvest, and lo, he that thrusteth in his sickle with his might, the same layeth up in store, that he perisheth not, but bringeth salvation to his soul. And faith, hope, charity, and love, with an eye single to the glory of God, qualify him for the work. Remember, faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, brotherly kindness, godliness, charity, humility, diligence. You know, we could have a, an entire sermon on just each of those points that are just mentioned there. As we serve God, we get something back. These divine attributes, who or what is our greatest enemy, the natural man within us. Joseph Fielding Smith said, It is true we are engaged in a warfare, and all of us should be valiant warriors in the cause in which we are engaged. Our first enemy we will find within ourselves. It is a good thing to overcome that enemy first and bring ourselves into strict obedience to the principles of life and salvation. Uh, which he has given to the world for the salvation of men. When we shall have conquered ourselves, it will be well for us to wage our war without against false teachers or uh, false teachings, false doctrines, false customs, habits and ways, against error, unbelief, the follies of the world that are so prevalent, and against infidelity and false science under the name of science, and every other thing that strikes at the foundation of the principles set forth in the doctrine of Christ for the redemption of man and the salvation of their souls. Verse 7, Ask, and ye shall receive. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Amen. Notice in these qualifications for those who labor in the kingdom that it does not say that persons have talents or abilities. The Lord qualifies those he calls. And so as we serve in the kingdom, we consider these uh, attributes of Christ uh, that we obtain these uh, these things so that we can go forth and teach uh, with love and understanding to those we teach. I bear testimony that these things are true and say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.